I think um, we all see this attitude around us. It would never, of course, be any of us, but a lot of the folks around us have really fallen into this trap that it's all about me. It's really become sort of a value of our culture right now, or many in our culture. What I want, what is convenient for me, what will make me happy, and that naturally goes on to what's owed me, and how you should fix me, and you should make me happy. And if I'm failing, somehow it's your fault. The problem is, it doesn't seem to be working. It sounds good and we all want it. The problem is, as we look at our culture, as we read the news, as we talk to anybody who works in the schools, as we see how things go on the job site, I think most would step back and say, I'm not sure this is working. The question I want us to ask today is, does that work for the spiritual life? If we sort of bring that attitude home with us or bring it to church with us and say, church, my spiritual life is all about me and what God can do for me and what I'm going to get out of it, does that work either? Well, in this whole sermon series now in the winter, we've been looking at what builds a solid life. A life where we have roots and and we have strong, healthy tree. And the reality is that when it's all about me, it's not going to build that kind of tree either. It doesn't build a strong spiritual life if we try and say it's all about me. I want to look at two passages, or really a passage, a teaching of Jesus today and later on an example of his own that he focuses on. Because Jesus gives us, in a sense, a a, a diagnosis of our attitudes and in a sense, a solution. Because Jesus knows our human tendency. It's not new today. We may think it is. But humans have always struggled with this from the Garden of Eden. There's always that pull inside each of us to say, it's all about me. I want it to be all about me. There's that little piece of self-preservation, selfishness in all of us. And Jesus' warning is don't give in to that because it won't work. There is an attitude that does work, and he's going to offer that to us as well, but he also says there's something that won't work. Matthew 16, 24 and 25 has both what won't work and what will work in here. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, what won't work. But whoever loses their life for me will find it, what will work. It's interesting that Jesus in here gives us a warning. If we try and live life for me, to keep it, it's all about me. What can I get out of this? He says what's ultimately going to happen is you'll lose life. You won't find it. It's not going to bring you what you want. You won't find that happy, fulfilling life. In fact, if we try to live for ourselves, what we find is a lot of frustration, a lot of anger. We're angry at everybody else, and they're angry at us, and a lot of emptiness. 
and a lot of aloneness because we focused on me. And that's not life that works. It's the very thing Jesus says. Try and hold on to life and you lose it. But he does offer the solution in the same verse. He says, however, if you're willing to go against sort of that inner instinct and you're willing to let go and lose life, lose your life, you're going to find life. And the very thing you thought you lost, you gave it up, you let it go, surprisingly, it's going to come home. And you're going to experience life like you never thought you could experience it. That's why he says, follow me. The truth is, Jesus told us a very um, surprising principle. I tried to put it in the sermon. And that is that can the weakest be the strongest? The principle he tried to teach us is that true greatness doesn't come from living for self. True greatness comes from serving, focusing on others, caring about others. Servanthood. It's not all about me. It's not all about what I want. It's not all about my problems. It's not all about what will make me happy. It's looking at others and seeing what's going on with them, helping them, seeing how I can serve somebody else, making a sacrifice. Gary talked about that in the communion meditation. The power of Jesus, not in ultimate power that we might think from God, but the power of Jesus because he was willing to die on a cross. He was willing to be a servant. He gave us an example, not only in the cross, but in how he lived his life every day. This Matthew 20 passage gives us a very fascinating picture of Jesus and what he did, and then he draws a lesson from it. But what he did was, in the middle of the Last Supper, you've all seen da Vinci's picture of it. He was there and caught a photo of it the night it happened. Everybody sits on one side of the table all the time and poses. But however that, however that upper room really did happen, at one point Jesus gets up, and I know they were all just sort of, what's he doing now? And he takes off his outer clothes and gets a bowl and a towel and goes around and starts washing dirty feet. And we know it's pretty shocking because Peter says, you aren't doing this for me, that is not fitting for you. You're, you're our leader, you're our rabbi, you're the Messiah, you're not washing my feet. It was pretty demeaning. And of course, Jesus puts Peter in his place and says, I'm the boss, shut up and wash my feet. Now, that's not in your translation, but he says, Peter, I am going to wash your feet. And he washes all the disciples' feet. And they're just in amazement. But he wasn't done amazing them. Because then he says, now I want you to do that too. Let's read these verses. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise over them. You know how people in the world do it, he says. We all know that. Not so with you. 
Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus clearly lays out his challenge to us who want to follow him. Greatness is not where you think it is. And he draws how we are raised, how we grew up with our human life. We often describe life with this pyramid. It's success is at the top. If that's the business world, success is at the top. That's where the salary is. That's where the power is, the perks, the privilege. If you play sports, it's who's the fastest, the most scored, whatever. It's at the top. If it's the pecking order in your circle of friends, it's who's at the top. Our whole life is focused on at the top. It's where greatness is. It's where happiness is. We are born with that concept, and it's reinforced again and again. Jesus says, we all know that. That's what he says. But then, of course, he says, I need to flip that around. Not so with you. In fact, greatness is at the bottom. Who is the greatest servant? Who does the most for others? That's where real greatness is. And servanthood, spiritual growth, maturity, becoming somebody for whom life works, is the one who learns to lose their life and moves down the pyramid. More willing to serve, more in tune to others, more willing to sacrifice, more willing to help. And as they move down that pyramid, that's who's finding greatness. And, of course, what we know is if you move all the way down that pyramid and work very hard to get to the bottom, you have one problem. The point of that pyramid is already occupied by Jesus himself. He wasn't talking theory. He wasn't saying, now this is what you ought to do. He was saying, this is what I want you to do like I'm doing. That's why he says at the end of the washing of feet, I have given you an example so you can do like I'm doing it. That's how Jesus lived his life as a servant. So if we want to have that solid life that we've been talking about, whatever comes, we can handle it. It's not just about having roots and a relationship with God. We've talked about that. And that that'll give us a solid life as we connect with other Christians. And we've talked about that. And all of that. But part of it is we're growing. And what are we doing? What fruit is coming from our life? And part of that fruit is our willingness as we're growing and solid and healthy to get our eyes off of ourselves and start serving others. I like to think of it, that's when we really cross over. Our goal as Christians is to become Christ-like. 
When do we cross over and become the most Christ-like? It's not in just gaining some knowledge from the Bible. And it's not even just in developing a prayer life so we talk to God. When we truly cross over is when we move over into from taking in and getting to giving and serving. That's when we are most Christ-like. When we learn greatness comes from losing our life and serving. Now, how does that really work? What's that look like? Well, part of it is we begin to notice people. In our busyness today, and with our culture of saying it's all about me, both of those work against this. And so part of what we have to do is we have to start noticing the people around us and what's going on in their lives. Are they struggling? Are they facing some tough times? That person I work beside or that neighbor or that friend, do you know what's going on in their life? If I ask you right now, what are the top two concerns of whoever you want to put on your list, do you know? Do you know what they're staying up night about? Because if we don't even know that, how do we help them? But the opposite is true. Once we learn and take the time to find out what's going on in their life, it's easier to say, oh, wow, can, can I help? Could I take care of the kids for you? Or could I bring you a meal? Or do you need a ride to the airport? Or whatever it might be that they need. We start serving. Now some of that involves we have to make space. And I think this is going to become one of the challenging issues for us as Christians in 2016 and beyond. Uh, it used to be 20 years ago we had to find money to help people. I think a majority of us in this room right now would much rather help somebody with money than time. We don't have time to serve. We're so busy. We don't have time to help. I don't have an answer to miraculously say, take this pill and you're going to have time. The truth is, I think we're going to be challenged to say, if I really want to serve like Jesus, I'm going to have to make time to help others. I'm going to have to say no to some other things so that I have an evening if I need to help somebody. We're going to have to stake off some space or we'll never have time to be a servant. We'll never have time to help. And we will have filled our lives with all of these activities and busyness and we will have missed our opportunities to serve. That's true in every one of our calendars as adults. It's true for our families. We have our kids in four activities and we're meeting ourselves coming and going. We don't have time to get our kids together and go make meals for Adams Elementary and have our kids help us deliver food. But please understand, taking your kids with you to deliver meals for people who have no food you're helping them way more than one more dance lesson or sports team or whatever it is that fills your life and their lives. 
make space to serve and show our kids what makes life work, where greatness really is. Good news is Jesus gave us a laboratory to figure this out. How do you be a servant? How does that work? And we try it and we bump in and it doesn't work. Well, guess what? You're sitting in lab. It's called the local church. It's where we learn to serve. It's where we make our first attempts. And some of them, they're not real good. We sort of crash and burn. We were trying to help somebody and we end up offending somebody. Or we say the wrong thing or we do the wrong thing or we're a week later. Whatever it is. But that's what the church is for, a community of people who love each other and care about each other and are willing to say, you know, I know you're trying to learn how to serve that Sunday school lesson. That wasn't real good. But let me, let me talk to you because I think there's a couple things that will help you figure out how to do that. And you, you can do a great job. I just want to help you a little bit. And we learn how to serve in the local church. But we got to get out of our seats and say, If I'm going to really be like Jesus, the way to find life is to lose it. I want to challenge you today. This iConnect we keep talking about, I understand it's new and it's software and it's all the stuff that you hate maybe. But it's how we can communicate and how we can find needs It has a tool that we're starting to use more and more where different ministry teams can put needs out. Right now there's a needs out there for food and food delivery for Adams Elementary. There's needs out there for the workday next week. And our ministries are using this more and more. Where you will have laid right in front of you in your email, here's a need, who can help with this? But you got to get it set up with iConnect. So you have a username, so you can get on there and see those. If you need help with that, you've got a card there, that connections card. Just write on there, help me with iConnect. We have a a help desk back here after the service. I'd love to see a line 20 long waiting to talk to Teresa. Get me on here. I want to find needs. I want to get involved and help. And if you can't do that, of course, use that connections card. And I want you to start looking for that icon. Because whenever you see that in an article in the bulletin, that's an opportunity to serve. Read that article. It might fit you. You might be able to help with that. Does it work? Does this really work? Well, we read the first part of Philippians 2, where how Jesus was willing to be a servant, let go of heaven and all his privileges of God, come to earth and not only be a servant slave but a sacrifice and die on a cross. But I want to read the next paragraph. Therefore, because he was willing to lose his life, in verse 9, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It worked for Jesus. He gave up everything and he gained more. He lost his life and he found it. The very thing he promised, he showed us that it worked. 
Now, I understand you might sit there and say, well, that's Jesus. I mean, come on, he's God. Does it work for us? Yeah, it does. And I want to tell you about an example. Some of you know this man. I realized he's been gone long enough that a lot of you probably don't know who he is. His name was Calvin Miller. He was actually the minister at this church from 1978 to 1990. Back when this was called Coon Rapids Church of Christ. And the church was located down basically at the corner of Foley and Northdale Boulevard. Calvin's son is Dave Miller, one of our elders who you see in the worship team frequently. Two weeks ago yesterday was Calvin's funeral. Uh, we went down to the funeral. I'd known Calvin since I moved to Minnesota in 1981. The church was packed. The foyer behind the glass was full of chairs. The fire marshal would have had a conniption fit, but he wasn't there. I also think it was probably the longest funeral I've ever been to. It was two hours long. little plus. But that wasn't two hours of liturgy. It was two hours of people talking about how Calvin Miller touched their life. Family after family, person after person, church after church. He pastored three churches his whole life. This was one of them. And there were people there from every one of those churches, one in Indiana. Just to talk about how this man touched our life and touched our church. And I sat there and I listened to all of this. And I need to tell you about Calvin Calvin wasn't a charismatic minister. He wasn't that kind of minister that's on TV that everybody's flocking to because of how flashy he was. I, I wouldn't rate him as a dynamic speaker that people just couldn't wait to hear him preach. What people couldn't quit talking about was how much he cared, how much he was a servant. How he touched our lives in need. How he was there when there was a crisis. How he cared. How he saw the potential. How he would never give up on people. He just kept helping people. Sound like Jesus? He lost his life. And he found it. And the ripples of his life are still going out and will continue to go out for generations. Because he took Jesus serious when he said, if you lose your life, you'll find what life is really all about. I want to use Calvin, I want to use Jesus, I want to use the truth of Scripture to challenge each of us to realize real spiritual growth, having a real solid life. we got to cross over from just consuming spiritual food. And we got to start giving out. We need to start serving. We need to start losing our lives. Because when we do that, that's when life will begin to work for us. We need to bear fruit.
there's two things in your hands that I want to challenge you with. There's this connections card that we're going to collect. You can help me with iConnect so I can start finding things. I want to get involved in this. I just heard the announcement that Ron and Terry talked about. I want to help with that. There's also a survey, and there's two things on here. On the one side are our ministry teams. Some of these need a lot of help. Some of these are working but could always use more help. Are there any of those that you'd say, you know, I'd be interested in helping with that? Check that box. And you can check a couple. Don't check them all. But maybe there's one of those that you'd say, you know, I'll help with that. And maybe none of those grab you, but on the other side, just what are your interests and talents? Because sometimes... We need somebody who can help cook meals, or we need somebody who could help paint, or whatever. Any of these that are sort of your interests, mark those. You can go to iConnect and do this, but we'll do it for you if you'll just put it on the paper. So if we have one of our ministries that says, we need some help with this, we can go say, well, here's 20 people who've said they're interested in doing that kind of thing. It'll help us connect with you, so you can help serve another and make a difference. It'll help you lose your life in a way that's not miserable because you like doing it. And God can use that interest, that talent. Kerry's going to come and he's going to play for a little bit because I want to give you a couple minutes to fill this out or this, either one. And then as we sing the closing song, we're going to we're going to pass those down and collect them and take a step towards losing our life so we can find it. Let me pray. Father, this isn't a challenge. It's what you did. Jesus, it's how you lived. Whether that was on a cross or washing feet or feeding hungry people or loving the unlovable or touching lepers, you lost your life for others, and you found it. Help us see that that still works for us. And that the me focus of our day doesn't work and will just cause us to lose our life. Give us the courage to be different. Not so with you. Help us learn the power of serving. And I pray you'd prompt every one of us in this room to take some concrete step today. One thing, one survey, one ministry team, one thing to serve, to be like you. In your son's name.